Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Wojo, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Dude, Nick, glad to be here, man. I'm glad that you're here. I was saying to you, I had a couple of your buddies on uh, before, and one of them in particular wanted me to rub in your face that he was on before you were. Let's use that term buddy loosely, man. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, those jokers. Fair enough. Yeah, exactly. We don't need to say anything about that person. And when you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, I know we were going back and forth, or at least I was going back and forth with uh, your project manager or assistant, um, who's great. We were just trying to figure out the best time to be able to set this thing up. So really, you should have been first. Okay, I'm going to use that, man. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, you should. And I'll do the same thing when I talk to him too. So, hey, I don't want to steal your thunder. Man, I appreciate that you're here. Why don't you tell us what you do and, uh, and tell us one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre. Yeah, man. So um, I, uh, I am the CEO of a company called Life and Air. And we are, we're a life and business coaching organization and we do events and we have students and all these other kinds of things. Um, and that's a crazy story how I actually ever ended up being there because I was trained as a scientist. And one thing that I'd say most people don't know about me, well, there's, there's, there's two here and you can, you can tell me which one of these is, is more shocking. One is I'm apparently a glutton for punishment because uh, when I was in school, I was in college, I, to stretch my, uh, my comfort zone, I took a hip hop, a hip hop dance class and I was not only the only male in that class, but I was also the only male that was probably about 15 to 20 years older than every other female in there. And so I was the creepy old guy. That is, that was a, a scarring memory for myself and, and probably every female in that class as well. And, uh, and the other thing that, that not a lot of people know, uh, aside from a handful of people is that I was in a, was in a pretty bad motorcycle accident in 2000, sorry, 1999. And I was told there's a really, really big chance I was never going to walk again. Uh, and that was that was a, a crazy, scary moment for me too. But actually, I don't I don't really talk about it much because it feels like like a lifetime ago. Actually, now. Sure. Yeah, I, I bet, man. Um, I, I got into a car accident about ten years ago, maybe twelve years ago, something like that. But I think there's a certain point where you had something tragic like that that had happened that kind of shifted your life, and you're like, oh my god, so much life has happened since then. Dude, it, it totally does. It totally does. What a wild thing. So what happened? Uh, what was the situation with the accident? Man, so I was, I was, uh, I was on a backcountry road on my motorcycle and a, an SUV oncoming in the other lane cut their corner short and ran me off the road. And I dislocated my hip, had a couple cracked vertebrae. Um, and I remember, so I was in the hospital for a week and I go into the, I go into the doctor and he, and he tells me that... Um, you know, it was a really severe dislocation and there's something something called avascular necrosis or AVN, which basically means like the, the blood supply to your joint was cut off and therefore the bone that is, that is you know, supplied by that blood flow uh, will eventually die. And he's like, so our options are, <clears throat> he said, you know, you know, you might be all right for a little while here, but, you know, pretty soon there's a really good chance you're going to need a hip fusion because your young guy uh, hip replacement isn't really designed for you. Um, because they don't last that long. But even if 
we don't fuse it, you will absolutely need a, a hip replacement. And the problem with that is because, you know, they're not designed for long term, you're, you're probably gonna have to go through two or three of those during your lifetime. And he's like, and if that doesn't happen, if you're like, you know, the one in a million, you will be, uh, you're going to have severe, severe arthritis setting in in the next couple of years. And you're going to be on medications the rest of your life um, for this, which now there's long-term effects of those medications and you could have a host of other issues. Dude, I was, you know, this was 99. So I was, um, you know, I was 20, I was right, I was born, let's see, let's see, I was 20, yeah, early, late 20s. And to hear that, you know, when you're, when you're an active person, you're, you're, an athlete and you run around and you all this stuff like dude it's like soul crushing i remember many nights spent just sobbing like this can't happen no way and um and i just i just said no i'm i'm gonna be i'm not gonna be the one million i'm gonna be the, the one i'm not gonna have any issues like and i i refused to kind of accept that diagnosis and and you know with god's blessing to this point i haven't had any issues dude now it was a long road back we could talk about that but like you know it's it was that was just i mean it, that's when it hit me for the first time in my life to like never let anybody tell you like what you can do or what your body's going to do or you know like I don't care if they're an expert man I don't I don't care what their credentials are like don't do that you know because and you see people that do that right like they, they let somebody else tell them what it's going to be like and they actually follow it and they believe it it's devastating yeah oh yeah especially you could you hear different stories at different times about somebody that beat cancer and they just didn't believe what the doctors were saying. And doctors are like, you've got X amount of time. They're like, well, I changed this, changed that, told them to fuck off and just continued on with life. Uh, for most people, they're like, well, we've been told that we need to do this thing. We've been told this. It's almost like how we've been conditioned. You go to the doctors, you believe them. And there are other people that are like, I'm never going to go to the doctor. It's like, I can see your limb is about to fall off. You need to go talk to an adult. Right. Yeah. Maybe you. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please for your fucking self. Um, but for you to not have that, that shows a lot of mental fortitude. Now, were you that type when you were younger at that age to go like uh, ego driven or were you actually listening and coachable? You know, that that's hard to, to answer. I'm not I remember the the fear of having my entire life changed, I think, is is what. I don't know if we listen. I don't know if it was denial. Like, I don't know if it was like, cause I'm not, I'm not like an inner rebel. I'm not like, I don't have a problem with like authority in my, in my life in general or anything like that. But like, I just was like, you know, screw that. No way. And so I, um, and I don't, I mean, I was an athlete as a kid, but I would never, I would never say I was like necessarily mentally tough. Like I, I've always been attracted to kind of like extreme sports, for instance. And maybe that, maybe there's some sort of relationship there between like flirting with, with, with injury and danger. Um, and I'm not sure what's there. Like, I don't know why that's there. I just, I just found, I always seem to be attracted to things that I can kill myself at for some reason. Death wish, you know, well, that could be the opposite of the scale. You know, I know. I don't, I don't know what that, yeah. I don't know what that's from, but like, I do remember like, I, I've always, I've always had a, um, a relationship like mentally with, with persistence, like that's one thing that I that I've always been I'd say gifted with really because I don't know where it came from but like uh, and so maybe like that challenge was something that for me was like hey you know I'm I'm gonna just give everything to this but then you know the other side of that that I struggled with was like well what if I'm wrong like what if I put in all this effort and I still get that that's scary too right like because you don't want to fail after putting up so much effort but I remember like so I was still on crutches 
and I would, I would, uh, there was a lake where, where I lived and I would, I would, I would hobble out on the end of the dock and I would let myself fall. I couldn't walk. So I'd, I'd fall in the water and with one arm and two legs, I'd kind of just like, like flip flop fish around, like for, for like, you know, it's at first it was like for like 10 feet before I was like exhausted and in pain. But like literally, man, like every day I would go back and do that. And every day it was like two feet further or five feet further. Um, and so like, I, I don't know, I just developed this like, like this screw you attitude to my body, really. I'm like, no, you're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do. Um, I don't care if it hurts. I don't care. Like if you, you're going to, you're going to heal. Um, and it, it took a while, but man, but like it, that after, gosh. And I, I remember the, in the doctor still, like when I went back for checkup, when I was already making progress, he's like, well, you know, I'm just telling you, don't get your hopes up because like, you know, the, yeah, you're, you're doing really well right now, but like, I'm telling you, I want to, and I'm not saying this to be negative, but I'm just want to prepare you. You know, you, it's, it's going to be hip fusion and hip replacement or like debilitating arthritis. And I, and I, dude, I don't know how this guy got his license actually. Like, cause like you don't tell that to somebody. <laughs> Kmart, Walmart. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Like you don't say that to somebody in nah, no bedside manner, man. Yeah. It's you're, you're, you're playing with people's lives. Like you really are. Like it's not, you're not just there for medicine and this is for anybody. Like I think any of us who have a position of potential influence have to look at like, are we, are we voting for people? Are we cheering for them? Are we, are we? trying to help them you know um in a positive way or we are we you know maybe even accidentally pulling down a little bit and this guy maybe didn't, i want to i want to forgive him that he didn't know better but at the same time i was like you know you know f you dude and like um that was that was a pivotal moment for me because it really did it, it did make a difference for me mentally like that i'm not gonna let anybody say you know what i can can't do yeah it's interesting because it's not just a a childhood situation know where somebody says something and then that stays with you for the rest of your life it could be in your 20s 30s or even later where somebody like a doctor says something and people will go oh well you got to take it as gospel because that's what we've been taught to do and that's not the case now i think of different times and i joke with people like at different meetings where somebody's a couple minutes late i'm like totally good man i think of it like a doctor's office if one person's late the next person's late the next 10 people are late and by the end of it they have to cancel appointments just how it goes so then i think of those people being in a tough spot just like with all the covid stuff where they were completely overwhelmed and being like all right check this box move these people out they're dying just get them out of here and they're just trying to check off boxes where they don't even think about those sort of things because they're just saying it based on patterns that they've created and that they know they're already 20 minutes late for the next appointment so with them just flippantly saying something and you're like what what do you mean they're like oh you're just gonna die in like a couple hours yeah exactly like what the fuck do you mean they're like well you need to get out of that chair because i got another person coming in because we're completely late so i appreciate that your heart goes toward i want to forgive that person but i think there's a larger problem at hand there you know what i mean yeah oh there is man and you know and i i think it just goes so frequently underappreciated as to as to what people like you know and this is I, I think it's it's prevalent probably not just in in the the um, scenarios and the environments that we're talking about here, but even you know you you have a a spouse a a, a coworker a boss a brother a sister anybody has the influence that that has the potential to kind of like get in there and sting or or make an impact like I think we just got to like look at ourselves and I just I just actually had this discussion um, with my wife the other day like how there was somebody that I 
I probably was a little too assumptive in the way I in the way I like asked them something, and it turned out I was wrong. And I'm like, and I was, I probably got a, I probably was okay, but I knew it was it was a little bit more assuming than it should have been, which could have been it could have done some damage, you know. Yeah, that's uh, so when you thought back through that, I'm sure there was a moment where you're like, come on, man, don't do that. But I'm sure you had some grace with yourself. But what did that conversation look like? Go ahead and finish that out. Well, it's like so there was a there's a uh, there's a fa- there's kind of like a like a little bit of family drama. And um, I had assumed that this person was their reaction to me was based on this family drama when in fact it had nothing to do with it. It was totally like friends because we were going to do something together. I said, hey, is it because of this? And they're like, oh, actually, no, I didn't even think about it. That's because we have these friends coming into town because we're going to catch up for something important. And like, oh, I didn't even realize like, I had I had friends coming in town and they're here the whole time. My, and my, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, that's not even at all what I was thinking. Like it wasn't, I just jumped to conclusions, you know? Um, and I, and I think, you know, we just got to be careful for that because it's so easy to happen because, you know, you talk about patterns a lot, right? And this, I think sometimes it's, it's dangerous to look at the pattern, you know, instead of the, like the particulars, right? Like it's, and, and it's, it's easy to do. And I know we do this like, because it saves us mental energy and time and we make broad strokes and generalizations, but like, it just seemed to be really kind of a, a moment that I realized I was, I need to be, you know, paying closer attention to this. Yeah, that's interesting. I think of, uh, I think of like people finishing other people's sentences, you know, I, uh, it's just kind of a thing that has happened, I think more in the past couple of years than it's ever been. I've actually noticed it even on TV shows where they'll do it and they'll just finish out other people's sentences because one, we as people just want it to be over. Like we want the next thing to happen and we're not actively listening or intently listening. We're just trying to talk about the next thing. So I find it is an interesting thing where people kind of look at that and they don't really see what they're doing as much. Where if you talk to somebody that just sits back and listens, you're like, wow, that person was great. Like, yeah, they just listened to you. Dude, you're right. I mean, it's now that you say it, like it's so, and I think maybe it's because like, I feel like life for a lot of people has appeared to become faster, more congested, more, um, more hectic and it's like hey get to the point or hey I'm, i i know what you're gonna say so let me just finish sentence for you and save me the time and, and you know go on to the next thing like you're saying totally true man yeah we're not we're not listening just to kind of listen and and be surprised and and just be there with that person we're because we already made our conclusion we already thought of the answer we already know what you're gonna say you know totally true uh, one person had told me at one point he's like i'm just a real fast listener i just listen to your stuff real quick and i'm done i was like oh that's that's incredibly rude, but appreciate the honesty. I'm a fast listener. Okay. Yeah. It's like, all right, fair enough. Um, so, well, let's let's top over to the life and air stuff because I think this ties in a lot to that. Where I know you and uh, our buddy that we were talking about have lots and lots and lots of conversations and have to listen to be able to understand what's going on to be able to help the people that you're working with. So, one, can you give us a bit of context of what life and air is? And then to kind of what you guys get into. So, man, so Life in Air. So I actually started as a student in Life in Air in 2009. Um, I did not found it. The founder is Steve Cook. I came on as a student and then started speaking. Sorry, started coaching for them, then speaking, then running the company alongside Steve. And like, so the whole message of Life in Air is basically, hey, like, let's figure out, you know, everybody wants to be a millionaire. 
right? Everybody's just, there's this seductive allure of the word millionaire that is just so attractive to so many people. And what Life in Air says is like, hey, really what you want is the life you think the money's gonna buy you. So why don't we do that? Like, why don't we bypass the money thing? Now, not saying, not saying you, you're not gonna make the money, but let's focus on life first, then let's have the money conversation, then we'll have the business conversation. So like everything we do is like, hey, let's help you figure out exactly what you want your life to look like in every area, um, in, a, in a tangible way, not a, not a foo-foo necessarily way or like a, hey, we're gonna, you know what I mean? Like a pie in the sky approach, but like a, a, a real tangible way with a plan. And then we'll have a, a discussion about how to create a business to serve that life. Um, and I would say, I, I believe what we teach is absolutely applicable to everybody. But I will also say that um, most of the people that, that resonate with us are small business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, real estate investors, people that, people that want to have some freedom in their life that a W-2, a traditional W-2 at least, can't fully give you in most cases not all but but many cases people want to kind of hold that card in their hand and and kind of pave their own path rather than you know somebody else's somebody else's kind of um you know somebody else dictating what their what their schedule is going to be like and when they work and things like that um so that's kind of that's kind of like what the whole thing is about and you know we have coaching events things like that that uh, that all kind of play together that's interesting um uh, especially to be able to go well all right you want to live this millionaire lifestyle Let's build the lifestyle. Just like how people talk about, you can think about these things almost like you can say words of affirmation, but if you're not feeling the feeling behind it, then you're not actually pulling that to you and you have no idea what the fuck you want. So if you're able to create that, that's huge. So what does that look like to be able to work with people that are trying to figure out that next jump? Dude, first of all, it's amazingly like rewarding. Like you can probably imagine, you, you know, you help people with the podcast and so, the, seeing the glimmer of hope in someone's eye for the first time to like for them to figure out like what they want is awesome, dude. And I, it's so rewarding. The The biggest thing I'd say is like when people come in, oftentimes it's one of two things. One is they, they really don't know what they want. Like, and I know that sounds ridiculous and you're like, Oh, well I knew I, I know what I want my life to look like. But when you start asking people like specifics, it becomes very apparent that they haven't spent a whole lot of time figuring that out. And a lot of times we're seeing people that just basically, you know, either they fell into their position like at work or they, they went down an easy path that they had maybe connections with, or there's a family business or they have, um, you know, other people that, that do the same thing or, or, Hey, uh, they have a, they have a two story white house with a, with a picket fence and the two SUVs. So I'm gonna do that. Or like, it's just so much. And I don't want to say it's like, Man, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, but like I think there's just a lot of natural. It's human nature to kind of look to others for some sort of like, um, some sort of model. Like this is kind of what success is, and so we. I think a lot of people just do that blindly without necessarily giving it a whole lot of thought as to what they want it to look like. And so when you can show them that, and they they start to, and actually, you when you I gotta be I gotta tell you, man, you gotta be careful when you do this because you don't want to influence somebody unintentionally and, and do the same thing. Like, you know, when, so when I share what my life looks like, I have to do it, be very careful because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want somebody to look at me and be like, get, get an idea if you want, but don't, don't try to live my life, you know, cause you gotta be your, your life. And so it's just really cool for people to make that discovery. I think sometimes for the first time ever, literally like, um, so it's, it's really cool. 
That's awesome, man. I, I don't want you to get into the secret sauce of what you do, but for the audience, what sort of things would you walk people through? Can you kind of give us a high level for those people that are thinking about making that jump? Yeah, so so a couple of things I think that are really start, like let's say you're just starting off in this process. One exercise we have people do that's, that's really, really cool is you know write, write two versions of your eulogy. Write one version right now if they could, if this person could not lie about you, and they would say the full, tr complete truth, and because you know, listen, man, we've always been, to, we've we've been to those services where like, who are they talking about? Like, this is not a like, that person was a jerk. Like, they were an a hole. Um, so, what would they say about you right now? And then, what do you want them to say about what do you what do you want them to say about you? Like, ideally. And so, when you compare those two versions, you start to recognize the gaps in your life that you find most important, and then from there. You're going to pull that and tease that apart to see like, well, how, how does this look like in terms of my day-to-day -day activities, what I really invest in? Um, what kind of person do I have to become for this to become a fruition? You know, what kinds of things in my life have to change as, as, as far as like my character, my experiences, where I place my, my value? And that starts to unravel the, the thread of like, okay, well, now that we have this, let's start to break this down even further and look at like everything from relationships with family and friends, your health, your, your business life, your time, um, your charitable life, if that's important to you, like at your spiritual life, if that's important to you, like every component that can be broken down. It's essentially like a reverse engineering um, approach to, to really getting down into the weeds as the ultimate step of to like, Hey, okay, I've identified all these things. And now, now how do I actually make it come true? Like, what do I actually have to do um, action wise to, to make this a reality? And what do I have to believe to make it occur too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. I, I know that there's probably more people than they would admit that they've started something like that. They've thought about some of those things, but they're kind of just, okay. They're like, eh, you know, uh, life kind of sucks is, uh, but it's not terrible. Like it could be worse. Like, so go for it. Dude, I, you, you, you said a mouthful right there, bro. And I was, I was just reacting to it. Like that is so complacency and comfort are the two enemies that we see a lot. And, and those are the people like, let's say, let's say you had a, you had a scale of, of how happy you were with life from one to 10, like one to three is like, life sucks. I'm dying here. I'm getting the life sucked out of me every day. Um, those people have, those people have some sort of motivation to change because they're in pain. And so there is a little bit of motivation there. And then you have people that are really, really happy and like maybe not, not much has to be done. And those people have a different problem, which is, you know, like it's easy to kind of get lazy and lose appreciation and gratitude. And so it's easy to kind of like backslide. But the people like right in the middle, like it's a, like, like it's a four or five or six, you're like, eh, it's all right. Eh, it's okay. Those people, dude, it's, it's hard to reach those sometimes because what you just said, like they are, they're comfortable. They're like, eh, it's okay. It's good enough, right? And dude, that's that's the I feel like those people, man, I wish I had the secret to to motivating them. But what I see with those people is a lot of times they it's just it's basically more of regret than anything else where they're like, you know, I could have been, I should have been. And they have so, all these dreams that they just let die in the vine um because they're kind of they're too comfortable. There's no there's no fire, you know? There's there's nothing to, to kind of ignite them to like take that next step. Yeah, that's like, uh, how do you lovingly tip the scale a bit without like entering a tragedy in their life for giving them a couple hundred K or something like that? Like, how, how do you change that? And it's 
honestly, it's probably all on them. Like, uh, I think about those moments at times where it's the pivotal moment. We've all had it at some point, even on a small scale, where you're like, fuck it, I'm done. This thing I'm done with. And you step out of your own energy and you go, I'm done with this. I don't want it anymore because you list off the negative things that you've then anchored to it. But if you're just kind of sitting there fat and happy, it's so difficult to get those people out of it. So what sort of advice, if you and I were standing there and we could see somebody that we're friends with that are in one of those spaces where we're like, well, we can't kill one of their family members, shouldn't at least. And I'm not going to give them a couple hundred K. I don't want to. Um, so what do we do to kind of help them along that path? Man. And so first of all, you're, I, I love what you're saying here. Cause it's, it's really, you're, you're hitting on the, on the, on the crux of the problem here. One thing I think that could be beneficial is for people to kind of, uh, and you know, and, and I've done this in the past with some people and it seems to be effective is like take people through the exercise or have them do it on their own. Like what is life going to look like in another year, another three or five years, another 10 years. If you stay on this path, you know, cause maybe you've, you know, you, maybe you've gained, you know, 15 pounds over the past two or three years and you're like, okay, well I'm a little pudgy, but who cares? Okay. Well, let's, let's add that forward to, for another 10 years. So let's triple that. So you just gained another 45 pounds. Are you okay with that? Or let's say like right now you're, you're kind of working more than you want to, uh, and not making the money you want. Okay, well, how's that going to work for you in another five or ten years? Or do you really still want to struggle? Are you still really going to be okay with that? Or do you think you know physically or mentally or emotionally you're going to burn out? Like, what's going to happen to the relationships in your life because you know that you're you're neglecting now and you already have friction? What's that going to be like in another five or ten years? Like, and so sometimes I think the fear of not changing is enough to kind of kickstart somebody and give them a little bit of you know a, a kick in the pants to to, to move forward. Um, not always, but like, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that, that can be scary for a lot of people. Like, you know, when they really think about it, if they're on the, if they continue on the path they're on right now, what's the result going to be in each of these different areas of life. And like that, that can be sobering sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's easy for us as humans to not go near that. That's like, oh, well there's a fucking haunted house over there. I'm not going to go in there. Okay, great. And that thing's just kind of in our mind somewhere. And I appreciate that there are people like yourself and like the life and air coaches that are able to actually help people. Because honestly, at the core of it, I'm sure we agree, it's accountability. Like you've got to be able to talk through things and then have accountability. So what does that look like from your perspective and working with people through that stage and some of the accountability? So I think accountability is a huge part of it. Uh, and, and having people two things about, well, first of all, everybody likes accountability until they get it. And so you gotta, you gotta really be okay with it. And, and from, from the standpoint of receiving that accountability, but also giving it because nobody wants to feel like a jerk, but, but like, if you're, if you really care about somebody, you're not gonna, you're not gonna let them get away with it. You know, this is where I think the people you surround yourself with is so important. Like, because, we all have probably had those friends who are like, let's say you're trying to lose some weight and your buddies are like, come on, man, let's just go get a, let's go get a slice of pizza and we'll get, get a few beers. Like, you know, you don't hang out with us anymore, man. Let's go to, let's go hit up the bar and just, you know, go on a bender. Like, and I can understand that from the, from the perspective of maybe your friends feel like you've, you've withdrawn from them or you're going to outgrow them, whatever. But the, your true friends and the ones that can help you are the ones that can be like, 
If they, they're the ones who are going to see a beer in your hand and slap it out of your hand because you told them you didn't want to drink. And so those are the, but that's, but you got to be okay with that from both perspectives. And you got to like really also have that person's best interests at heart. Like you really got to like want them to succeed and more than anything. And like, you know, certainly not more than they want to succeed, but like you got to match them where they are. Um, and that's so important, man. Cause you don't want to, you don't want accountability from somebody who's, who's rooting against you or who just wants to be a jerk or like whatever. And so, so that, that's really important um, to do that. And the, and the other thing I think that's really important is like, is related to accountability is to, to find other people that are like, that are doing the things that you say you want to do um, and who are happy to see you make progress as well, which is kind of a little bit like what we just mentioned with the accountability. Um, and it just, it gets back, I think to the power of like community and, being around the right folks, you know, and this is so funny because like, you know, I think a lot of us probably remember our kid, our parents telling us when we were kids, like, don't hang out with Johnny. Like, you know, like he's, he's, he's going to get you in trouble or what. And, and they were kind of right. Like, actually, like as much as I hate to admit it, like, you know, your parents can see things that you can't when you're, when you're young and we lose that governing, like over the shoulder perspective, like when we're adults and maybe we could benefit from it a little bit. Like, you know, who are you hanging out with? You know, and are they keeping you accountable? Are they helping you reach the, the things you want to do? Yeah. Well, that starts with us, uh, us as individuals. Like sometimes you got to parent yourself. I, um, I, I had this conversation recently. So we're recording this in October. Your episode's probably going to be out in February, March or something like that. But this month I started uh, or stopped drinking. And I haven't had a month of not drinking since probably high school, maybe even like middle school, like as terrible as that might sound. Um, but being able to actually do that, but it took me parenting myself over the course of a couple of months and seeing the patterns of shit and the conversations that I have with enough people about this stuff where I was like, wait a minute, I'm seeing myself being able to do this. And I'm kind of a geek and I know that I am probably a, a geeky outlier with this, but I get fucking nerdily excited where I'm like, yeah, this is one of those moments. This is one of those things. Um, and it's only because I've been in those spots where I've pushed that shit off, where I've been like, you yeah, know, fuck it. I'll let future me deal with that. And then future me six months, two years later goes, pass me. Why can't you just fix your fucking problems? Why didn't you address it back then? Yeah, exactly. Come on now. We'd have been so much further ahead or, you know, whatever. So I've had enough of that bullshit where the parent in me is like, you remember these fucking times? Let's knock that off. But that's not one of those things where you can't just pull that out of you. That takes years and years to be able to do that. But I think good conversationalists, the ones that are able to do that with people and get them to that point where they can feel that trust. Now, I'm sure you're probably in that spot too. So thinking about the audience that is either going through that or they know somebody like when this shit comes up, there's always like, you know, Timmy or Johnny or whoever that pops in their head. They're like, man, I got to talk to this guy. How would you suggest that they lovingly have a conversation with somebody that's kind of in that fear space or that really casual spot and wouldn't accept the accountability because you, they don't have enough fear or negativity tied to it yet? Dude, that's, that's a great question. And I think, I think what, what I've seen is like, you know, I think the first thing that's going to be your prerequisite for, for any kind of meaty discussion, it has to be rapport. Like you have to have a relationship with this person where they have no doubt that you care about them more than their own self-interest when it comes to this issue. And that you have, and, and if you're going to, I think there's two ways to play this. Like, so if you have, if you have rapport, you know, I think 
that uh, that being the first step, either you, you have a choice. Do you bring it up directly and in a gentle way or do you wait for them to express like something something to you? And then you use as an open door to to uh, to, to broach that conversation. And I think it's really I think it's really dependent on the context and the person. You know, one one thing that I've found valuable is, a, is an actual technique to do this is and this, this is you can't you got to be you always got to be honest with this. But like I've had discussions with friends about my other friends or someone close to me who's dealt with this. And I just drop it as a story in conversation just because then the, then they they can't help but. And you don't you don't make it like obvious that you're like taught you know you're trying to like plant the seed with them but like when they hear it from somebody else it causes them to just kind of you know stutter in their step for a second just and, and all of a sudden just be like huh i wonder you know and you got to do you you don't want them to think like you're you're trying to like you know in a roundabout way talk to them but like if you can i think it's easier for people to hear a story about somebody else and then they start to maybe look at themselves a little bit, and that might be the opening you need. Um, but you gotta do that very tactfully because you don't want, you never want to be, you know, manipulative with someone. Um, uh, but that's tough, man. Because some people, dude, listen. Like my mom has had stage four lung cancer, and she's in remission now, dude. She still smokes. Like you know what I mean? Like how do you? How do you? And I've you, and believe me, I've had all the conversations, right? And like, it hasn't worked. And so, like, at the end of the day, it's the person like they have to want to change. Like, like you know, when you mentioned your moment a, a minute ago, like of having enough, like, so so you got to have some you got to have some discernment with this. Like, don't if you if you can tell they don't care at all, save your breath. Just just love on them. Move along. Yeah, just just love on them. Be there for them, and then be and when when you know the feces hits the rotary blade device mounted on the ceiling. You will be there to help them and, and support them. It's a long way to be able to say that, but I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, it definitely is on. It's on us as people. And uh, I keep thinking of that visual of you and I standing there, seeing somebody standing at a five or a six and not being at a two or not being at an eight or a nine and just living in that general, you know, life sucks at times, but life sucks at times because I think there are pieces of it like almost layers to it where you need to have some grace with yourself right and just go look today was kind of fucking tough but I'm all right I'm gonna sit down I'm gonna watch tv or do whatever you're gonna do to veg out for a couple minutes have some grace but not just totally give it up and something that I found that has been super helpful for me has been just incremental progress like there are certain days, like I learned from my dad years ago. He was like, there's some days where I feel like it's just not my day to do things. So I'll go, all right, cool. And just let it kind of go and let the day kind of ride. And there have been certain times where I'm like, but you can mentally change that. It's an attitude thing to be able to figure that out. So how do I incorporate that in my life without getting crazy? Where sometimes you can start to think through, oh my God, all this shit happened before or all the shit has to happen, which lands you in the center. So I found the incremental work to help me, but in all the conversations you have with people that are either super successful and doing great things, but want more, or they're in a really bad spot and they want to be able to fix that, how do you help them have the incremental growth and do the things on the daily to help? Man, I want to I want to I want to step back for one second and, and focus on what you said, which I absolutely love, man. Like, 
what I heard is like having grace with yourself when things aren't going well. But also the flip side of that coin is like when you feel like you're on, you have the responsibility, the ethical, like, you know, you have this to hustle, to, to, to make it happen, take advantage and don't squander those days too, because you have, everybody has them both. Like you'll have some days where like, you know, you like you said, you're, 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 it's just, you know, it's not gonna be your day and you give yourself permission and you make the best of it and you do, maybe you do something that you really enjoy to kind of maybe perhaps get you back in the zone. And if not, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna beat myself up about it. Tomorrow's a new day. Or even like, you know, I'm gonna take a nap and when I wake up, we'll see how I feel. Like, you know, like try to reset that clock. And then when, when things are going well and you feel good, I think you really, that's, that's your moment to shine. And so don't let that slide. Now, I think the shine days for most people, over a long period of time are most people again are outweigh the the darker days in a short period of time that could absolutely not be true like so you have you know dude i went i went through a divorce um back 2011 it was the darkest time of my life i literally didn't want to get out of bed for like literally didn't want to get out of bed for a month um I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like suicidal, but I also wouldn't have minded if like a meteor landed on my house and like just crushed me, you know, and I, I would have been okay with that. Um, and so in that short period of time, it was all dark, but you know, you, you expand that perspective to, to a year, to two years, you know, whatever you start to see a better pattern. And I think one of the things to incremental growth is, is catching and having a perspective on the little things and having an appreciative, uh, appreciative attitude for it. So like, for instance, like I was, um, this is not too long ago. I had my more, I was doing my morning quiet time, which I'm a big believer in that makes a big difference for me in my life. Um, and this is the silliest thing, man. But I remember sitting on my couch and being like, Oh my gosh, I have a, I have a couch and I have a carpet under my feet. And I've, I heard the air conditioning go on and I'm like, I have air conditioning. Then I heard the fridge turn. I'm like, I have a refrigerator. Like I can have food like that is cold and on demand. Like, and it started just this incredible, also kind of a little bit foreign because this isn't normally how I view things, but like this incredible moment of like this flowering appreciation that made me realize and it, and it flipped my perspective just enough to turn what could have been like a, like an okay or a dark day into a great day. And so, like, I think that is something I think, and I know it sounds kind of corny, like, you know, your attitude of gratitude, blah, 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 like every, whatever rhymes sounds like, you know, prophetic or whatever. But it, it really did strike me of how, how valuable that was for me. And, and if you can find those opportunities to, to catch those little things, I, I think it does make a difference. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And there are some of the sayings that are corny because some people think of the shit as corny. But if you really think of those little magical moments where you are aware of everything around you, it's almost like being on a different mental level. Like you've entered the quantum realm at that point and you understand that everything I have is important in some certain way and to be grateful for that. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, actually my my brother and my dad the other day where I was like, do you guys ever just like randomly yell throughout the house? Like, fuck yeah, just because you love life. They're like, yeah, all the time. And maybe that's where I get it from. But there are weird things like that where I'm sure my neighbors are like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? But, but there are moments. And when those moments happen, I think it's on us to be able to, it's our responsibility, as you mentioned earlier, to do something with it. 
Like capitalize on that. There's this energy that's flowing through you and you can't just be like, oh, that's cool. Man, I hate this. And like instantly jump into something shitty. Totally true, man. Totally true. I love that. You got to express it, do something with it, show it. Like, cause I think if you don't do that, it just, it just kind of sequesters itself and it goes back into its hiding hole. You know, you got, you got to do something with it. And it's like a muscle at that point. If you keep telling it to go away, it's going to go away and not come back. And maybe that's where the five or sixers have been where they get kind of stuck in that. You know, I, I'm sure you get into this where you, you've known somebody for a while and then you have a conversation with them years later and they're like, man, I've never told you this before. You're like, we've been friends for like a decade. How have you not told me this thing before? Um, so I think of that stuff that people just naturally kind of hold on to until they're ready, but it all gets back to them to be ready to do it. Uh, man, I appreciate that you've been on the show. I appreciate the time. Um, we could probably just keep talking and talking and talking about this stuff. And I know this isn't going to be our last conversation. At some point, we should probably do a conversation with the four of us, if not even more life and air people. Um, but what sort of advice would you give the audience that are walking toward their path of self-mastery? I would say be in the moment and give it time. Give it, look for incremental changes to make the biggest difference for them because that is the, that's the key. Like, you know, just ratcheting it up slowly over time, like small, small, small sequential steps that by by external standards may be non-noticeable, like, but, but find those and then you will see the progress. And then once you see the progress, now you can rest that you're going, that you're on the right path and you can forget of, you can let go of any kind of expectation on how fast it should come or what it should look like. And it will get there. It just have confidence that it works and believe in the process, man. That's awesome. Again, Mojo, thank you so much for being on. Uh, where can people find you and where can they connect with you? Man, head on over. Uh, I'd say either to uh, Life and Air's private uh, Facebook group. It's, I just call it private so we, we don't have any spammers in there, but anybody could be in there. It's a great place to discuss uh, any and everything that's related to uh, you know achieving and accomplishing the life you want. Um, or just go to lifeandair.com to see what you know when we're coming to your area for events and, and kind of content we have on the website. Awesome. Again, Mojo, thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks, man. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. So what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. And check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode, and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com, as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you.